Hello and welcome to Rural Business Uncovered, brought to you by the CLA, where each week we discuss matters affecting the rural sector. The Country Land and Business Association are the only organisation dedicated to protecting and defending the rights of landowners and rural businesses. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. With major changes in agricultural policy, in particular the phasing out of the basic payment scheme, it's expected that there will be some restructuring within farming businesses and the industry as a whole. This will provide opportunities for businesses to become more efficient through sharing of resources or by expanding and taking on more land. But it'll also provide opportunities for new entrants. This podcast will consider what it is to be a new entrant and how landowners can support bringing new ideas and energy to the industry. So let's meet our four guests joining us on this episode. We have Andrew Shirley, CLA's Chief Surveyor, John Varley, the Estates Director with the Clinton Devon Estates, Sarah Palmer, Agri Manager with the National Federation of Young Farmers Clubs, and Erwin Williams, Director of Rural programs with Mentera Business, which delivers Farming Connect on behalf of the Welsh Government. Well, welcome all. Uh, brilliant that you could all join us on this podcast. And um, I thought we'd start with some introductions, starting with you, Andrew. Tell us a bit about your background and what's involved uh, in your role as CLA's Chief Surveyor. Hello, thank you. Yes, I've been uh, with the CLA for um, over, over 20 years now. Um, i Started in the Midlands region, and for the last sort of eight years, I've been chief surveyor um, in um, London. And um, despite the enthusiasm for being out in the rural area, I spend a lot of my time, um, or have done prior to last year, um, in the London office, advising members on a variety of issues. One of the main things that comes across my desk is is the occupation of land and tenancies, and you know how. Um, both landlords and potential tenants and existing tenants can work together in partnership. Um, And I think this is going to be increasingly more important as we go forwards when there will be a greater array of land occupation agreements than perhaps we've seen in the past. So um, it's an exciting time ahead. Thank you, Andrew. And I'm sure we're going to be picking up on a number of those points, particularly around, you know, new agreements for the occupation of land. And that's uh, something that's very interesting indeed. And I'm, I'm sure, John, with, with the Clinton Devon Estates, that you're involved with some exciting new land uh, occupation arrangements there. But uh, tell us a bit about the estate and what's involved as the estate's director. Right. Thank you. Um, so uh, the estate is, is around 10,000 hectares, 25,000 acres in eastern North Devon and is a, a, a one pass, if you look at it from one angle, is a traditional rural estate. Um, another, uh, in terms of geography, certainly agriculture and forestry feature um, as significant land uses. 
Um, but our operations span from renewables to commercial property, residential property, conservation. We have a national nature reserve. We are involved in a 15 million pound climate adaptation project, realigning a river. Um, and we have about, in terms of farming, we have our own farming operations. We have an organic dairy, 750 cow, milking cow, organic dairy. We've got our other farm, share farms, and about 35 agricultural tenancies. So it's uh, quite a big operation. My background, <clears throat> I'm not a child surveyor, but like Andrew, I've been around in this job for 20 years, so I'm probably fully trained now. Um, prior to that, I, I worked in global telecoms uh, for BT, um, mainly on the overseas division. But uh, before I, I left, uh, before joining the estate, I spent time running a, um, a large field force of uh, engineers in, in Scotland. So I've got a uh, a very, very background, um, not specifically to do with agriculture there. But I'm sure there's a number of transferable skills and having that grounding in, in all those industries has certainly been a help uh, to, to your role with, with the Clinton Devon Estates. And we'll come back to you in just a minute, uh, John, but I just want to uh, turn out to, to Sarah. Um, tell us about your role with the NFYFC. Hello, and good to be here. Um, I'm afraid I'm not young, but I have worked for the, um, the National Federation for a couple of times since 2002. So I've been in my role on and off for nearly 20 years as well. Um, current role uh, includes working with a very dedicated group of regional um, YFC representatives, that's the Agri Group, and um, the work's quite uh, wide-reaching. Um, I negotiate support partly from DEFRA to develop and deliver a range of events, resources, guides or training. And obviously, there's consultation responses from a next generation perspective. Do work with a lot of industry partners. Um, and we have a good spread of young farmer representation at either industry meetings, some government um, and industry working groups. Um, I just mentioned we used to enjoy membership of the European Council of Young Farmers, which, as you probably know, single issue lobbying organisation. Um, but as part of our recent DEFRA grant work, um, we're having specific engagement events with DEFRA to make sure we're feeding in next generation thoughts and concerns regarding emerging policy. Um, so there's a lot going on um, and it's time of great change and very necessary to make sure that uh, young people's voices are heard. Yeah, and indeed that we are equipped with the right skills to handle and navigate our way through all the changes that lie ahead. Um, Eirwen, if I can come to you, please tell us a bit more about Farming Connect, uh, the, the programme you deliver on behalf of the Welsh Government and, and, and your role as the director. Um, thank you, Aled. Yes, I'm a director of Mentor a Business. Um, it's an economic development company in Wales and we deliver um, the Farming Connect programme on behalf of Welsh Government, um, in particular um, the Knowledge Transfer and Innovation programme and the Advisory Service as well. And as part of that, we have the Venture programme where we bring together um, those who want to come into the industry um, and those who want to take a step back from agriculture. Then on a personal note, I'm also a partner in the farming business at home. Um, although both my husband and I, we are from um, farming backgrounds, we weren't in the fortunate position um, to inherit a farm. Um, but we consider ourselves very fortunate to have um, secured a farm tenancy when we were 27 years old. 
that's several years ago by now um but then in 2010 we managed to purchase our own farm um, which was one of Aberystwyth University College farms um and by now our son has also joined the business um and we also have a daughter who works on an animal health um, research project funded by IBAS and HCC. So we're all involved with agriculture and, it, and we feel, you know, it's so important to have new uh, blood into the industry. Yeah, well, Diolch, Erwin. Thank you, Erwin. It's, it's, it's fascinating to hear that story as well, how you've climbed the farming ladder, starting as a tenancy, then going to farm ownership. And it's uh, it's, it's brilliant to, to see that. Uh, now, um, if I can just bring you all back into to the to the conversation and uh, pick up on what the topic of this podcast is, it's about new entrants. Now, it appears that there is agreement that getting new entrants into the, in, into the industry is a good thing. They bring fresh ideas, enthusiasm and energy. But how should we be thinking about a new entrant. Uh, Andrew, if I can start with you, what is a new entrant? How, how would you define it? It is quite difficult to define. I, I think a new entrant is is someone who comes into the industry from outside, um, but equally it could be someone that um, from within the agricultural industry that hasn't actually been involved and hasn't been part of an existing business that wants to strike up on their own. And I think the exciting thing where, where we are at the moment is being able to look forward and it isn't just, you know, new entrants who are expert in agriculture that we need. Um, it is actually, you know, a variety of other things. It could be a diversified enterprise. It could be um, a really great commitment and enthusiasm for the environment. There are so many different ways in which, um, you know, one can bring expertise um, from elsewhere. Uh, and John, from from an estate's perspective, you know, we might often link and associate new entrants with young people, but that's not necessarily always the case. You know, they can come from a range of different ages, experiences and backgrounds, and they all have something to offer. Uh, absolutely. Um, and it's like any other industry. I don't see, I mean, farming is special. Farming is, is, is unique in so many ways. But in terms of the people who will be leading this industry, running the industry in the future and farming, um, in the past, we've 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 looked to traditional sources uh, for um, those that take over the reins. And <clears throat> pardon me, through the Agricultural Tenancy Act, um, it's it's fairly you know it's fairly obvious that those those come from farming families or farming tenancies which exist uh, and have done for generations. And that there's nothing wrong with that. But I think going forward, what we're looking at is, is farming bringing in people perhaps who don't have agricultural backgrounds. Um, but they, they can come from a wide range of places and there can be many ages, um, many different types of di huge diversity, like, like any business, like any industry. And in some ways, from my perspective, if society doesn't want you to exist, whether you don't, whether you're a chocolate bar manufacturer, car manufacturer, uh, we've all seen industries fall and businesses collapse. Um, and therefore, the people that will be the new entrants of the future, I really feel need to understand what society wants and be keen and able to deliver it. Yeah. Uh, and Sarah, if I can just turn to you, obviously, with your involvement with the NFYFC, are you seeing an increasing number of, of non-farming members or, or, or people wanting to become members of the young farmers who, who aren't necessarily from a farming background themselves and, and have an interest in, in farming and food production? 
I think there's a lot of people um, that join the organisation who might not be from a, um, a farming background um, that then become very interested in farming and might progress either into farming or allied industries. But I would say there are a lot of our members who are existing next generation farmers who certainly consider themselves to be new entrants. Um, and the definition of a new entrance, interesting. Of course, you want um, diversity in any industry, but there are a lot of people that will have to innovate, diversify, come up with good ideas um, to incorporate new policies. And having a track record and understanding land management um, and environmental management, as well as food production, is incredibly important too. So whilst it's good to bring in some new, I think it's very important um, not to dismiss the existing amount of knowledge, expertise, expertise and potential innovation that our existing next generation farmers have. Uh, and Erwin, would, would you agree with that? You know, that we need to uh, recognise the skill sets we have within the existing uh, network of, of farmers. But, but it's often said as well that some new entrants can bring more uh, innovative approach to farming and, and are sometimes more likely to adopt new technologies because they've got to be more creative in the way they run their businesses. What's, what's your view, Irwin? Well, I think, you know, both are important to the industry. You know, we need that um, new blood, but also, you know, to look after what we've got as well and to nurture uh, the the people that are coming through um, but we also need um, to facilitate perhaps um, the partnerships between perhaps the younger generation and the older generation um, what we've seen um, interestingly uh, lately as well is a shortage of labor on um, say dairy farms in particular um, and I think um, we've got a role to play as well about promoting the industry and making sure that young people um, consider their careers in schools and colleges and university that we, you know, that the agricultural industry is promoted to the young people as well. Um, and, you know, this would go towards bridging that gap um, between um, the rural communities and the townspeople as well. Um, but look, recently we held a Family Connect virtual conference and we had um, one particular session with three first generation farmers and they were all from different backgrounds. And um, interestingly, one of them had come from the city and started um, his career in agriculture with a joint venture before eventually um, being in a position to give others that, the same opportunity um, to get on the farming ladder. So, um, you know, having all the diverse backgrounds I think it's so important, um, you know, for uh, the progression of the agricultural industry. And I know that Sarah and John both want to come in on that point. Sarah, if I can turn to you first and then I'll come to you, John. Thank you. Yes, just to note that um, we undertook um, research last year and from um, our survey results, 88% of those surveyed recognise the need for ongoing skills development. So I think there's a, an acute awareness um, of the change ahead and the need for new skills. And and John, what's your view? Yeah, it's, it's two things. Firstly, I think we need to be careful not to get ourselves tied up in knots about trying to define what a new entrant is so specifically. And then the government um, tries to support that particular delivery of that particular type of new entrant. I think as already we've heard, um, new entrants will come from many different places. But picking at what Erwin said, I thought she made a very good point about education. We've got to make these. We've got to make it inspiring to want to become a farmer 
and to go into agriculture. We want to make it a, a, a role that attracts a wide variety of people from backgrounds. And one of the places to start is education. Um, and and uh, I just think that's, you know, that there's a role in, in schools and colleges and, and uh, universities to to start to make, make to, to start to put this industry on the map as a place which is is full of technology it's full of artificial intelligence it's delivering climate change um mitigation adaptation it's providing food for the nation etc i mean it's right in the epicenter of all the debates and topics and therefore we should be we should have we should be having new entrants we shouldn't be really worrying about what new entrants are our challenge should be uh, what do we do with all these people applying for all these jobs or wanting to become a <laughs> wanting to become a farmer? That's not quite what's happening. So I think there's something we need to do in that area, and I think Erwin hits it on the head. And Andrew, if I can bring you in, how do we inspire people, therefore, to start farming? We need to um, project a positive uh, view of agriculture. Um, as with everything in life, it's it's easy to concentrate on on things that are, uh, are less good. But actually, there is a huge amount happening in agriculture. There's a huge amount more that individuals can do to carve out their own future and their business direction more individually. Um, and some of that's about understanding what uh, the wider population want from agriculture, but it could be actually what the local community requires in terms of the environment, uh, what, how you want to sell your produce. If you're producing meat, how can you sell that locally? How are you going to package it? How are you going to market it? Um, a bit more difficult with large-scale sort of arable production, um, but you, it's, it's finding your niche and, and pushing that forward. And I think, you know, there are a lot of good news stories out there, and I think we need to promote that. Um, there's a lot of opportunity. It's an exciting time to be in agriculture. Challenging, but exciting. Indeed. The Country Land and Business Association have been safeguarding the interests of landowners and rural businesses since 1907. We lobby government continually on behalf of our members to give them the security and certainty to invest in their land and business. Our in-house professional advisory team offers members independent and impartial advice on every aspect of land ownership and rural business management to ensure the positive development of the rural economy. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hey. 
Irwin, you mentioned a couple of times about the, the Venture Programme, uh, which, which is run through Farming Connect, matching landowners who are looking to step back from the industry with new entrants wanting to start uh, their, their farming journey. Tell us a bit more about that route into farming and how successful has that been? Yes, well, the Venture Programme, it's um, it includes um, a lot of variety of different interventions within um what we call uh, you know the venture itself so it includes matchmaking service so we bring together those people um as i said who want to take a step back with those who are interested in coming into the industry and then um after we've matched those people we provide them with support so that they can actually um um get that partnership formalized so at the moment um, we've got 43 new partnerships that have been established since we began on this work um uh, a few years ago back in 2015 um it actually takes a long time to establish these joint ventures um but what we find is that every joint venture is different. And so the importance of being able to tailor the support to suit um, each individual's needs is important. And, you know, we, we don't we don't just work with the new entrants. We work with the person who's taking the step back as well, because I think we need to support both ends of the spectrum and both um, need to be happy with what they are um, venturing into and um, we provide them as well with um, legal support or legal guidance as well because um, they need that um, reassurance that everything is watertight um, and um, you know it's, it begins perhaps with one hour with a legal advisor but then you know you need a lot more sort of business advice and everything before the partnership is formed um it's as i said you know we have no shortage of people coming forward who are interested in in um uh, being part of the program but it takes a long time um to work with them and actually get the partnerships formed um but um we've since the beginning of the program we've um had nearly fifteen thousand acres of land involved um in the program. Awesome. Some some very impressive figures there. And and John, if I can bring you in, as Aaron has mentioned, if you want to develop a successful joint venture, it's all built on trust, trust between the partners. Well, you know, from your experience and, and you're running share farming arrangements on the estate, what are the ingredients for a successful joint venture? Well, it's, 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 it's fascinating to hear what Erwin's just said. Uh, and I'm, I'm after this um, session, I'm going to go and try and find out more about what she's up to. Um, but uh, our share, far- share farming is, is is fascinating. It is based on on trust. But like any joint venture, um, my experience with joint ventures in global telecoms and other places is if par- parties should be bringing something different um, to, to to play. So, you know, you're bringing together different skills and competencies, which together uh, two and two equals ten ideally, uh, or five, uh, certainly a bigger number than the parts. And and in share farming, that's very much what we see. So it's about respecting each other's uh, contributions um, and and with a huge dollop of trust, but with a common aim. Um, and it's not all about making money, but it has to be economically viable. But it's finding partners who have common principles and common aims. And if you've got that, everything else flows from it. So the actual share farm agreement, you write it, 
um, uh, get it legally stamped or whatever, and then you stick it in the file and never look at it again. That, that's the sign of a good share farm agreement. Uh, Andrew, um, another interesting point that Aaron made was the support they provide, not only the new entrants, but but the farmer or the landowner that's, that's looking to, to either establish a joint venture and, and, or take a step back from, from day-to-day farming. There's been a lot of focus on DEFRA's recent um, proposals around an exit lump sum payment scheme um, to try and encourage uh, more progressive farmers to take uh, uh, occupation of land. Do you think that's going to stimulate a lot of land changing hands in England? I think that is um, still, you know, we'll wait to see the outcome of the consultation and the amount of take up um, there is for that scheme. But yes, if, if there are some people who wish to take a step back for a number of reasons and that land can be farmed by others that 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 is going to be a positive benefit um and i think it's as i said before it's trying to get people involved um in in farming uh, you know who've got a wide range of skills but yes those who are stepping back still have enormous amount of expertise um you know, as to how that particular land has been managed in the past, what's worked, what hasn't worked. And it can take some time for anyone coming in to manage that land to really get a grip of of, of, of how things work. There's a lot of history that's built up um, by people that actually manage land. And we want to make sure that, that clearly we don't lose that in the process, but that the you know, the outgoer can enrich the experience of the incomer. And sometimes that can be um, compared to, to a mentoring relationship where the joint venture partnership does does create a relationship whereby the, the, the senior landowner does impart knowledge and expertise and advice and guidance to, to, to a younger share farming partner. And, and, and those examples are, are really when the, those um, uh, ventures work well. Uh, Sarah, if I can bring you in again, I know you're involved in a lot of training programs through the, the YFC. And I'm sure this is something you look at very often and ask yourself the question, what are the key skills farmers of the future will need and and, and set against the backdrop of, of a changing support system and schemes, both in England and Wales, changing in trade patterns and uh, obviously agriculture being expected to play its part in tackling climate change and re- reaching the net zero uh, ambition and targets. What are the skills that, that the farmers for the next generation are going to need? Well, I mentioned that... Um that there's uh, certainly an awareness that there'll, there'll be a need for um, a greater amount of skills. But at the end of the day, um, business viability, whether you're a landlord, new entrant, next generation farmer, you've got to have a good business plan. It's got to um, make financial sense. So business planning, probably the most important financial awareness, um, taking advice from professionals when and where necessary and and. There have been many requests for support in the past, and those haven't changed. Um, whether we'll have um, a, a proper support mechanism as, as they enjoy in other UK countries, you know, we've heard about Wales, they also have them in Ireland um, and Scotland. Um, it needs to be a well thought out um, business and advice support training, helpful access to funding or subsidised loans. That that would be um, a great bonus for um, English young farmers. Um, we, we've had a lot of conversations um, about what skills are going to be needed, and yes, they, they they'd probably include forestry, more environmental skills. But it all goes to, 
back to um, successful um, business planning and the finances stacking up. So having a good, robust uh, business plan and sticking to that plan. So business viability is absolutely key. I can see, Aaron, you want to come in on this point. Yes, well, you know, we need the practical skills. You know, you need, um, if, if you're a newcomer coming from, as I mentioned, the city uh, previously, you know, you need those practical skills from tractor driving to handling sheep or whatever it is. And also those business skills that Sarah um, mentioned as well. But also those softer skills, you know, how, how do you um, cope with challenges? Because one thing we know, know for certain when you enter into a, a new farming um, venture you will have there will be challenges how do you cope with those um you've already mentioned as well the mentoring says the mentoring um is important and having somebody to turn to so um that you can discuss any issues or discuss new ideas as well that is so important um We've even seen on the Jeremy Clarkson um, programme that he's got people he can turn to, whether that's a 21-year-old tractor driver or a a very um, experienced consultant. But it is important to have people to turn to um, for for advice and for um, support. But also, I think you need confidence. You've got to believe in yourself that you can do it. Um, And I mean, for example, if you are applying for a farm tenancy, you might need to make a presentation to the bank manager or to the landlord and you need to impress them. Um, But confidence um, develops if you've done your homework. So um, I think it's so important that you prepare, you know, the business plan um, and make sure that the the young entrant themselves develop that business plan. Yes, by all means, with a consultant, but they need to take ownership of that business plan and that will then give them the confidence to go forward. And John, I can see you want to come in on this as well. Yeah, I I think just just supporting what's said before, I mean, basically, you need there needs to be a business proposition which is economically viable. And, and the capability of the individual to to uh, uh, deliver uh, an effective business uh, plan, um, but 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 equally, it's about having the, the skills and competences and access to the, the training and a commitment to continuous professional development. I think there's a real opportunity now to put farming on a back. It's going back to attracting people into this this industry uh, as a profession, a worthy profession. I think I think those. We all know it's a worthy profession, but I think there's an opportunity to to not make everybody a chartered farmer. Uh, but you know, it's interesting on the estate. I've got chartered accountants, chartered surveyors, chartered surveyors, uh, chartered ecologists, uh, chartered foresters, and farm managers. Um, uh, I'm not I'm suggesting everybody's a chartered farmer, but I think there's an opportunity for the educational establishments, both from universities to colleges to schools, to start looking at how they support farming and farmers. And I think the agricultural colleges could have a breath of fresh air breathed over them or, um, or through them to start supporting maybe some marketplace experiments. Um, I think there's an opportunity to bring bring in a whole range of new entrants and new business models supported by an edu- the educational establishments who are who probably need need to be realigned for this new future. Andrew, I can see you want to come in and, and Sarah. So Andrew first, and then to Sarah. Yeah, I think looking forward, um, clearly the emphasis is on increasing productivity and also uh, profitability, um, and there is a large variety of outputs that 
that everyone requires from agricultural businesses now. Um, but at the same time, farmers are quite often hesitant about getting external advice, partly because it's expensive, um, and and they there there's a feel of sometimes of a lack of control. But I think there is a greater requirement for um, external expertise, and I suppose the the trick is to identify when you need it to get that advice in a timely manner and as, as cheaply as possible. So I think there's going to be a much greater role for external consultants to come in and help with certain aspects of agricultural business where that clearly is going to increase uh, productivity and profitability. And Sarah, over to you. Thanks. Just a very quick word. Farmers uh, and land managers are and have to be multi-skilled. Um, and that's a fact. So CPD and advice, um, it's a good thing to help your business. And it, it's important um, to take advice, help, have a mentor uh, to keep it, to keep everything on track. But, but don't take away from the fact that they're already very skilled, um, have a lot to deal with. And it's not for the faint hearted. It's, it, it's, it's a great career. John, I, I can see you, uh, you. You're agreeing with Sarah on that point. Well, yes. Um, this is this is the challenge, and Sarah's right. It is multi-skilled, but you know, to far, to do to 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 run a farming business, as the Jeremy Clarkson show has uh, showed has uh, been, been has, has put, put clearly to everybody in the, his uh, his film, um, uh, is complicated, and you have to have many skills. And this is it. This is why. We, um, this is why Andrew's point about consultants and support. Um, I, I, I'm just—I I am actually concerned in many ways about how many skills a farmer is supposed to have going forward. And one of the, you know, the big, the most, as Jeremy Clarkson himself said, it's the most dangerous, one of the most dangerous industries to work work in at the moment, um, along with deep sea fishing and small construction. Um, and and therefore, I think we do need to recognise the sort of people we need in this business but equally the support systems around those individuals to ensure they're running healthy, safe uh, businesses. Um, uh, in many ways, they're running them on their own or with very small numbers of people, mental health issues. Um, and I just think uh, the, the range of tasks required of someone going into farming is so great, they cannot do, them, do it on their own. And that's why I believe we, that we, should, we need some marketplace experiments joining up the education, the mentoring, um, the support services, um, maybe a few consultants, um, uh, if we, uh, if they're at the right price, as, as Andrew said. But I think that you know, just just looking through the telescope at the new entrant, this is what we need to have. This is let's define that and spend time on that. We're missing a point. The new entrant is part of a system, and we want we want a system um, which supports those managing um, uh, land and undertaking the, the, the fine profession of agriculture. And Irwin, as we've heard there, that there's growing pressures on farmers, the expectations on them, the ever-increasing regulation that they got to abide by. Um, is there a role for government to try and recognise this and simplify things? There's a lot of consultations taking place now across the UK on developing and designing future agricultural support schemes. 
does that need to recognise the pressures on farming, but, but also the need to encourage more new entrants? Oh, certainly. I think, you know, government has a huge role to play um, here. You know, first of all, we need a thriving industry. And, um, you know, as we've seen recently with the, with the post-Brexit um, trade deals, um, government's role um, here to, to ensure that, that we've got a fair and level playing field um, for British farmers. Because if we haven't got that thriving industry, new people won't want to come into it. Um, we need those markets. Um, secondly, of course, in the new policies you've mentioned, um, those should take into consideration not only um, what the policies will, how the policies will affect um, new entrants, but actually those policies should encourage new entrants, I, I would argue. Um, and of course, you know, government has a huge role to play with other things such as planning permissions. Um, we know how difficult it is for um, young people in rural areas to ha um, have housing and also to establish new ventures and diversification projects um, on their farms. And um, also um, council farms as well, you know, they have a role to play um, how important it is to um, keep those council farms and have the opportunities for young people to step onto the ladder, as well as other, you know, tax issues. And, um, um, you know, government is so important here when we're considering new entrants. Um, but also, of course, in ways, as we've mentioned previously, having a designated support programme and knowledge transfer programme and skills programme similar to the Farming Connect in Wales is something that would be of great benefit to um, new entrants, but also to all farmers um, across uh, the UK. Thank you, Erwin. And before we wrap this podcast and draw things up to, to a close, I'd like to ask all our guests for their final thoughts and, and take-home messages. It's been a very uh, fascinating uh, debate of the past half an hour or so, and there's there's so many different angles we could take, and, and this conversation co could continue for much longer, I'm sure. But but trying to wrap things up, and you know, particularly thinking of some new entrants that might be listening to this podcast, what are your messages to, to them? If I can start with you, Andrew, uh, and then John, then Sarah, then Erwin. Uh, Andrew, to start, what's your concluding thoughts? I think the answer is to be ambitious uh, and not to limit yourself by by the constraints of you know the way agriculture has been looked at in the past but i mean i think with, with being ambitious come forward with good plans uh you know try and deliver as much as possible and also you know up to a certain extent don't let people get in your way don't let people dampen that enthusiasm and you know if if you're looking at at you know bidding for tenancies or things just demonstrate what more you can produce um, you know, for perhaps a longer term tenancy, what more you can 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 deliver, not only for your own business, but also for for, for the landlord and the community. Um, and I think it's important to actually just take a look at the whole of agriculture. Uh, it's not just being able to buy a farm or get on a tenancy. There's a lot of scope for employment, um, direct employee of the farmer or of a contract management company. You've got share farming and joint ventures. Uh, you People set up contracting. Others will start their own ventures in a very small way, perhaps occupying land scattered around and, and build up the business that way. And of course, not to forget the allied industries, the advisory industries, the scientific uh, input that's going to be required to take 
uh, agricultural business forward, there's a huge amount and a huge array of different things that that one can be involved in, which will lead you, you know, ultimately to to, to agriculture. So, uh, but I think the main thing is is to be ambitious. And I think for the rest of the industry, all of us that are involved in it, actually just concentrate on the positive message and the very bright future that we should be enjoying together. And John, what points are you taking away from this podcast? Um, This is the most exciting time to think about getting into the agricultural and land management industry. It's a hell of a break point for generations. You know, this is this goes back to you know pre pre Second World War. Nothing nothing this big has happened in terms of policy terms, in terms of the focus on environment and climate change, environment where food where food comes from. There's, there's the opportunity for for to get in, stuck into this industry and make a career out of it um, is is there facing facing everybody in society so so to top tips for new entrants first of all understand what as i said before what what does society want understand what's going on there and then and then think about your own skills and what is your compelling business idea um and what can you bring as a character to this industry and it doesn't you know it's not just about traditional markets as, as andrew's saying you know we've got carbon we've got environmental net gain we've got uh um, local food. We've got you know g- global food markets which are opening up. So I think I think what is your compelling business idea in terms of the place we see agriculture today? And just from landowners, you know, going forward, landowners are traditionally risk averse, as Andrew will know, uh, and that's why they're still around, many of them, for hundreds of years. But going forward, there is risk everywhere now and a lot of uncertainty, but that brings opportunity for the new entrant. It also brings opportunity for the landowner. I think for the landowner, it's about keeping an open mind um, and look to innovate in terms of partnerships. Thank you very much there, John. And Sarah, what's your message now to the new entrants listening to this podcast? Uh, I quite agree. Exciting times, but I also pick up on um, John's point. There are risks. There are certainly risks involved. So I would say take and listen carefully to advice. Find a business mentor um, and establish good working relationships with your bank, your landlord or your business partner. Um, And I think also try and establish as many good networks for professional um, and, and as well as sort of social reasons, because both are going to help you with um, future business opportunities and also, most importantly, your well-being. Don't try and do it alone um, and be confident and hopefully there'll be very good opportunities for everybody in the future. Thank you very much there, Sarah. And, and finally, over to you, Erwin. What, what are your um, concluding thoughts? Well, for any new entrant, I'd say pursue your dream. Um, don't give up and ask for help, whether that is from the CLA, from the YRC, from Farming Connect or any other organisation um, or another farmer that's out there. I'm sure everybody is willing to help. Well, that's a great way to, to end this podcast on new entrants. Can I thank all our guests and uh, Andrew Shirley, CLA's Chief Surveyor, John Varley, the Estates Director with the Clinton Devon Estates, Sarah Palmer from the National Federation of Young Farmers Clubs, and Erwin Williams from Mentor Business, which delivers Farming Connect on behalf of the Welsh Government. You've all contributed fantastically to this debate, and I'm leaving this podcast uh, with a renewed sense of optimism for the opportunities that lie ahead. There is a lot of change on the horizon, uh, but uh, embrace change and the opportunities will come. Thank you very much once again to Andrew, John, Sarah and Erwin. Thank you very much indeed. 
If you're not a member of the CLA, you can join today. More information can be found on our website, www.cla.org.uk. Thank you for listening, and I hope you can join us again soon. You've been listening to the Rural Business Uncovered podcast, the CLA's weekly podcast released every Friday. You can find all our episodes wherever you get your podcasts or just search Rural Business Uncovered on your chosen podcast provider. Remember to hit subscribe or follow to make sure you don't miss an episode. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Are you a reality TV junkie? Do you ever think, dang, I wish I had someone to talk to about all the trash TV that I watch? Well, look no further, garbage lover, because Reality Gaze is a podcast for you. Hello, I'm Maddie. And I'm Poodle, and we're the Reality Gaze. We talk about all your favorite unscripted shows like The Golden Bachelor, Love is Blind, and TLC's big, messy behemoth, 90 Day Fiance. And if you're driving to work, folding laundry, or just pretending to listen to your husband talk about sports, just put on the pod, and you've instantly got two gay besties spilling all the tea and reading these people for filth. So come at us, y'all. Find Reality Gaze wherever you listen to podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com